As you know, we've been doing a series on prayer and today we're going to look at contemplative prayer. But I thought because contemplative prayer is going to be pushing some of you into an unknown, to a, to a, a place where you haven't been to yet, I thought we'd continue that today. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to, because this whole series is about the Lord's Prayer. So today we're going to stand and we're going to say, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer in Te Reo Māori. Now, for those of you who think that I'm just some gun Te Reo speaker, I can assure you I'm not. Thank you, Brother David Takani, for coaching me. I've put my toe in the water of that journey and I'm about to jump in big time. So, if we could just put the words up there of Te Karakia or Te Matua. Some of you are going to find this hard. Some of you are going to find it easy. And we're just going to give praise to the Lord whether you understand or not what you're saying. So let's give this a go. When I get my glasses. They say, they say it makes an elderly man look more intelligent. I just say that it makes me see better. Let's just give praise to the Lord and give thanks. E tu matu matua e te rangi, ki a tapu tau ngoa, ki a tai mai tau rangatiratanga, ki a mitia tau e pai ai. E te whenua, ke reti ana o ke tu tarangi, homai ki a matu ai enai, he taro a matu mu tinai ra, murua o matu hara, me matu hoki i muru nai. E o te hunga e hara ana kia mātu, o a hoki mātu e kawia, kia whakawaya, engāri whakaurangi a mātu e tikino, nu hoki te rangatiratanga, te kaha, me te kororia, ake, 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 amene. Grab a seat. The reasons why we started that are twofold. Firstly, I believe it's the right thing to do, not just because it's politically okay or anything like that. I believe that Wairua Tapu, the Holy Spirit, is wanting to bring our cultures together. And I think this is really important. But I want to draw attention to two groups of people around 200 years ago, or a bit less, 190 odd. You see, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, there was a group of people who were very spiritually aware. And I believe God in His wisdom saw that they were ripe for receiving the gospel. And then the Holy Spirit touched some people far across the sea and He called them as missionaries to bring the gospel, the name of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the tongue of the whenua of Aotearoa. And an amazing thing happened. David was talking to me the other day and he said in those days, 65% of Māori took the name of Jesus. And so I want to honour those people. And the reason we said this in Te Reo is because the missionaries needed to speak Te Reo. And that is this, that is the, the karakia o te mātua, that they would have actually spoken. And I think that's really important. Today, we're going to be looking at contemplative prayer. Our first slide, contemplative prayer, how to pray without words. And our, our, and our um, part of the Lord's Prayer we're going to look at today is to ki ronga e te whenua ki rati ano ki tu tarangi, on earth as it is 
in heaven. I've got a question for you. Whenever I've read the Lord's Prayer, that phrase that, the, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven would just plain confusing to me. God is God. And so why are we praying for God's will uh, to be done on earth as it is in heaven? To me, it just seems to be contradictory. And I'd struggled with that for some time. But then God started to speak to me and I understood that that there is, it is entirely biblical and it is something that we are all participants in in that phrase on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm gonna read you a passage out of Ephesians. It's not up there, but I just want you to listen if you've got your Bibles or phones. Good idea to get your, give you one second to get Ephesians out, chapter one, and we're gonna be reading from, uh, from verse 11. <clears throat> the people Paul was speaking to were Ephesian Christians. This, this letter, this epistle, was written to all Christians. And so it is not written to non-Christians, it is written to us, the family of God. And this is what Paul said. In Him, that's in Christ, in Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Just stop and think about that. We've been talking about the will of God being done on earth and on heaven. In Him we were also chosen, in His will. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for, the praise, for His praise, praise and glory. And you, this is us now, 2,000 years later, were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. And then you were marked in Him with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. What I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, is that we, the people of God, are the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. That we are God's will on earth as it is in heaven. So when we pray that prayer, what we're asking is that for the will of God, the church would expand and new people would come into this fellowship. You and I, we are the answer to that prayer. We are Christ on earth. We all know that spiritually when we are born again, when we first come to Jesus, that we're born again by the Holy Spirit. We are born by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We know that. In Ephesians chapter 2, it goes on a bit further and says something like this. First of all, it talks about how we are separated from God by our sin. And then he says this, but God being rich in mercy. So that's God's motivation. God being rich in mercy. And because of his great love for us, who's us? The children of God that even though we were dead in our transgressions and sins, He, listen to this, made us alive in Christ. And that's not all. He then seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That, and it goes on to say that we would be a display for all eternity. 
We, brothers and sisters, are heaven on earth. So when we're thinking about this, we're starting to talk about this contemplative prayer. We need to understand that we are the answer to the Lord's prayer. We are the answer. We are God's will on earth as it is in heaven. It's one of those things, those realities that takes a while to set in. You see, the Scripture speaks heavily that we, that we know for a fact that the Holy Spirit, Wairuatapu, lives in us, has taken His residence in us. But there's more than that. Spiritually, we are in Christ. Where is Christ now? Christ sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for the saints. Who are the saints? They're us. So we are in Christ And it's really important when we approach all prayer to understand the truth that we are standing on. We do not have to grovel to God to get His attention. We do not have to shake and say, Holy Spirit, come to me. The Holy Spirit has residence in us. What we need to do is just to simply accept the realities of faith that we are children of God, that the Holy Spirit lives in us. Therefore, we are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are in the Father's love because the Father and Jesus are one. In fact, Jesus said in His great prayer in John chapter 17, Lord, may they be one as we are one. And so we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ. We are also, therefore, God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that cool? So I think that when we approach any form of prayer, if we haven't got that stuff sorted, nothing is going to work. You don't need to come timidly to the Father. Jesus, who we are in, sits at the right hand of the Father right now in real time, listening to our prayers and intercedes for us to the Father on our behalf. Isn't God good? Because we are not only children, as it says in Romans chapter 8, we are co-heirs with Christ. We really are the children of God. We're actually going to inherit what we are inheriting now, what Christ has given for us, and we are going to inherit in the future the fullness of that. Wow, that was an introduction to contemplative prayer. Let's look at our slide, the next slide, Jesus praying. I just want to read a couple of scriptures. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed, Mark 1.35. Mark 6.46. After leaving them, that's the disciples, he went up on a mountainside to pray, Luke 5.16. But Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and prayed, Luke 11.1. On one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Then Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. You see, I don't think, I know for a fact, because there are some actual prayers in John 11, you can read around Lazarus and the resurrection, but Jesus did not need to seek the Father. Jesus did not need to seek the will of the Father. So what was Jesus doing when he went off in the quiet place 
to pray. What was he doing? Now, I'm sure Jesus' prayers had content. We know if we read John chapter 17, which is the whole chapter as Jesus' prayer, there is definitely content. But I suspect when Jesus went off on the mountain place to pray, it was more about, it was more than just, it was more than just um, uh, intercession. I believe he went up to spend time with the Father. And I believe this, is that what Jesus was doing was having experiences of his relationship with the Father. And contemplative prayer, if it's anything, it is experiential. I'd love us to put a show of hands. Who here would like to experience more the presence of God? Well, you can do what Jesus did. Well, you can put your hand up. That was good. I saw all those people. Come and I'll pray for you afterwards, you know. Um, so so we, we know that we want this experience. You see, the other forms of prayer are petitioning, are asking, are interceding. Well, this type of prayer is when the noise and the word stops and it's relational. It's quiet. It's, it's contemplative. Our next slide... And th these are a couple of quotes from Pete Gregg, who was the author of the prayer book that we're going through in, your, in our small groups. And there's a couple of things that he says here, which I think are really important. If petition is prayer at its simplest and intercession is prayer at its most powerful, contemplation is prayer at its deepest and most personally transformational. I don't know about you, but when you've been in a place when you know you've been sitting in the presence of God, your soul, something happens to that deep person, that person deep within. It is transformational because it's relational. It's not words. It's just sitting and being. His next quote, Canadian psychologist David Benner calls it, calls contemplative prayer, a wordless, trusting openness to the God who dwells at the centre of our being, at the centre of the world. Richard Foster describes it as a loving attentiveness to God. Isn't that beautiful? A loving attentiveness to God, where talk recedes to the background and feeling experiences come to the foreground. You see, contemplative prayer is primarily a prayer of experience. Here's the problem. We theologically know that we are in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us, Jesus intercedes on our behalf to the Father. We, have, we, we know all of that stuff. But I can tell it's pretty dry if we can't experience it. And this is all about experiencing what has already happened. You don't have to seek to find something. You just have to experience what has already happened. Now, next slide, we, we can just go to the Psalms briefly. And these speak of a quiet type of contemplation. Psalm 19.4, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. 62.1, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. 46.10, he says, be still 
and know that I am God. Meditation, waits in silence, be still. Our next slide, what are the key features of this contemplative prayer? Contemplative prayer is consumed with God's love and it's mostly a quiet, wordless, silent transformation upon Christ where we just enjoy his presence. And as we've said, it's experiential rather than logical. You see, it's only when we do we practice this type of prayer that we can actually pray without ceasing, as Paul talks about. I don't know about you, I always find that quite challenging to pray without ceasing, but this is how we do it. We do it by just embracing Jesus and spending time with him. You know, it's a little bit like a, a movie. Have you been to a really good movie? You know, just an amazing movie. My favourite movie is Kung Pao. Um, it's, it's not a good, it, you wouldn't want to use this one for this. It's a Kung Pu spoof. Uh, we've watched it at Curate College, haven't we, Shiv? We did. It wasn't not good for this, eh? No. Um, if, you, if you watched a really good movie, you know, one of those movies you just get lost in. Initially, when we start, it's like you and the movie. You are consciously aware that Malcolm is watching the movie and he's going, wow, this is a good movie. After time, the movie starts to take over. You're still aware that you're watching the movie, but it's more the movie and me. And then as we press on further, we just disappear and we're completely lost in the movie. And those three stages are the three stages of contemplative prayer. And we're gonna try that out in worship, by the way, shortly. So how to practice contemplative prayer, the last slide, slide seven. Contemplative prayer is a journey, and it's a journey that passes through three clear stages. First of all, meditation. Meditation is when we come and just focus on something, and it can be a scripture. And I gave as an example here, if we looked at 1 John 3, 1 says this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. We can meditate on that. And so it's you meditating on the scripture, so it's you and God. And as we continue to press in there, what starts to happen is that you start to think not of you, you're starting to think of God, that God has chosen you to be his child and God starts to take centre stage. And in the quiet silence, we then start to move to communion where you have gone, you're no longer there, but it's only God. Easier said than done. If you've got a hyperactive mind like me, um, I was born with two minds and, and they both go generally in the same direction. But when it gets confusing is then they go the opposite direction. For me to actually not to think is really difficult. So I've had to develop some, some strategies. So as soon as, as soon as it happened, as was this morning, I'm thinking only Jesus, Jesus and me, Jesus and me. Gosh, the lawn's getting long. Um, uh, and then so what I had to do is when thoughts come into my mind when I'm doing this, the first thing I have to do is I imagine that I've got some chairs beside me. I, I don't resist the thought. I say, thank you, mind. That's a br brilliant thing But the lawns. Can you just go over there for a moment? And I come back to Jesus. And so every time I get an interrupting thought, I just put it over there. And after a while, you just and it's discipline. And it really is, you start to get into this communion stage with Jesus and it's just him and you're there and it's transformational.
when we go through these stages, we start to experience God's will on heaven and it is on earth. And I'm sure Paul had, had this, to th which he was thinking about. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18, it's not on the slide. And we all, that's us, with unveiled faces, we, sorry, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when we start to contemplate the Lord's glory, when we start to think about it, we get transformed into his, into his image. And so what we are starting to live out then is heaven on earth where the presence of Jesus is transforming us and providing us with an experience of what to do as, as, as evidence of what has already happened. So what I'm going to do, we're going to do now, is that we're going to come into communion. And then after communion, Tony's going to lead us in a song. What we're going to be doing in this song, now in terms of contemplative prayer, I would suggest that for most of us, the time when we become closest to this only God communion is in worship. And I don't know about you, but this is what I tend to do. I tend to start reading. Uh, I'm very aware that I'm reading the words and I'm singing and it's about Jesus and it's really neat. But as you start to press into worship, the me part starts to fade and God becomes centre stage in the worship. And then it is just simply God alone as we come into his presence. So that's what I want us to do. So we're going to do, do an exercise. But we're going to have communion. And you know, the heart of the word communion is community. And we are God's children on earth. And as we take communion, I want you to think about an image that you can take into the worship. Now it's up to you. It can be what Jesus has done for you on the cross. It can be any part. You can start to meditate that you're a child of God, that the Holy Spirit lives in you, that Jesus is sitting in the heavenly places now, interceding, loving you before the Father. Right now, you can take any key aspect of our faith and I want you to think about it as we take communion. And when we do take communion, can I just ask, this is a silent time, that I want us to come into this um, transformational um, contemplation, first with communion, as we quietly pray and at your own time, just take it. And then Tony's gonna to be leading us in a simple song. And in that, when we start to sing, I want us to start to take the focus off ourselves. I want us to take the focus of the things that are burdening us. I want us to take the focus off, off my sore back. I was too vigorous in the gym the last week. Um, the, I, I want to take the focus of anything and everything, and I want us to make this a God-only experience. Is that okay? Right. Can we just come then, come and, come and grab, I want to pray first of all, and then we're going to come and take the, um, the bread and the wine, the crackers and the juice. Jesus, we don't have to ask you for your presence. We don't have to ask you we don't have to ask you, Holy Spirit, for your presence because you live in us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, 
that you are like Jesus. You are Jesus on earth. You are the one who's been sent to bring the reality of God into our lives. So we thank you that as we take communion, the juice is a reminder to us of the sacrifice that you made, Jesus, of the blood that you shed, and the cracker represents your body broken to us. But Jesus, we thank you that you're no longer on the cross. You do not inhabit the cross any more. The King of glory has ascended and sits now on His glory, on His throne, at the right hand of the Father. And your prime role, Jesus, is to intercede on our behalf to the Father. And so we thank you. We can share in this. It's communion.